had the opportunity to speak with Jacob of Soja over Zoom video. Jacob was born and raised in Arlington, Virginia. He talks about that and how he got into music. He actually moved to Africa for a couple of years, six and seven years old, I believe he was, when he lived in Africa. He talks about that, moving back to Virginia and meeting the, the other guys that are currently in Soja. He's known a lot of them since he was very, very young, telling us about the early talent shows he took a part in. Uh, one of them, they did a cover of a Wu-Tang song, which I thought was really rad. He talked to us about forming Soja and how after college is when they really decided, hey, let's take this band seriously and hit the road. Jacob told us about landing in Hawaii, hearing their song on the radio for the first time while they were there, seeing themselves on huge billboards, playing an airplane hangar in Brazil, and all about this new record, which has pretty much everybody in the reggae world on it. Everyone from J-Book to Kelly Buds to Stick Figure, Slightly Stupid, Revolution. They have so many amazing artists on this new record. It's called Beauty in the Silence. And Jacob tells us all about it and how the pandemic really affected the record. You can watch our interview with Jacob on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Soja. Hey, Jacob, how are you, man? How's everything? Going well. How about you? I'm doing good in the middle of a heat wave in Florida with the AC that works about 40% capacity. But other than that, everything's good. That's good. I just, I, I just moved to Nashville a few months ago and it's like totally downpouring. Like right when I got on the call, I here, it was like, like thudding on this, the roof. Cause it's yeah. just like flooding out right now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we both have the, the, the humidity. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I did see you're originally from Arlington, Virginia. Yep. What was it like growing up there? Um, Arlington is a really cool place. Uh, it's kind of one of the first suburbs of DC. Mm-hmm. So my dad worked for the IMF. Um, so he would take the Metro in every day and then come back at night. And uh, Arlington's great. It's expensive as hell. Uh, nowadays it wasn't when i was a kid that's what Um, i've heard it's interesting how that little triangle like the dmv triangle there how some of those places are so expensive it's like it's like the same thing that happened in brooklyn Uh, okay yeah like it's 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 like new york prices nowadays yeah so my hat's off to all the guys still living there (laughs) so you're there did you move to didn't your family move to uh, uh, Africa for a while. Did I read that or no? Monrovia, Liberia. Yeah. When I was a wow. kid, six and seven. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was kind of like the coolest thing ever. I remember my first memory kind of in life is of my dad's record player. And my second memory is of moving to Africa and like a box of my toys hadn't showed up or something. And I was like, I thought the world was over. Of course. And and I looked out the window of the car and there was a kid and all he had was flip-flops, shorts, and a, a paring knife to pair to peel oranges. Uh-huh. And he had the biggest smile on his face I had ever seen. Um, 
And, and then I thought about myself, of course. And I was like, wait a minute, there might be something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that he had a whole, he had his, your box of toys in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool, man. It was cool. It was kind of the origins of, I guess, starting a reggae band, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you said the first memory you have is your dad's record collection. Yeah. A lot of Paul Simon. Okay. Yeah. Is that what kind of drew you into music was stuff your dad was listening um, to? My dad taught me how to play piano and then taught me how to play guitar. Um, my dad was from a family, a small town family in Clorinda, Iowa. Um, and they all, they didn't have TV, you know, so after dinner, they'd play music together. So we That's know cool. how to do everything, like harmonize and who took the alto, who took the baritone, the soprano, all that stuff. So I learned all that, yeah, from from him. Wow. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Well, how old were you when you played or picked up piano and guitar? Um, I guess I was maybe 11 at piano and maybe 12 or 13 at guitar. Okay. And you uh, were obviously already back in Arlington at this point. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And you started the band, really. I mean, the band kind of formed really, or you've been playing with these guys for what, you know, since like 90s, right? Me and the bass player have been doing talent shows since seventh or eighth grade. Wow. Um, yeah, we did uh, Tap the Bottle by YBT. And then the next year we did uh, The Mystery of Chess Boxing by Wu-Tang Clan. What? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I, I was just listening to 36 <laughs> Chambers like a couple yeah. of days ago. <laughs> Still the best hip hop record anyone's ever made. Yeah, I know. Well, that between that and forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The, which is, by the way, the only two records they ever made. <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they didn't exist uh, after that. That 2000 yeah. record never happened. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So did you wrap the parts? Like, how do you even cover a Wu-Tang song. Um, we, sorry, I'm dabbing my face. Like it, oh, dude, no worries. The AC is no good here. Um, we started as, I guess, rappers, maybe, in the beginning. Um, and then I went to a reunion. My family has reunions every two years. Mm -hmm. So each, every two years, it's at like a different lake house or like a something with a bunch of cabins and there's like water in the middle normally. And, um, my cousin Steven gave me a UB40 uh, tape. Okay. And I was freaking out. So I brought it home and I played it for Bobby Lee. And then after that, it was just reggae. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then talk about full circle. You have them on the new record, right? <laughs> yeah. That's kind crazy. of the coolest thing that ever happened. That is amazing. So when does Soja start? Around that same time? Um, I guess. 18 maybe we had okay. a couple bands before soja um but yeah around 18 19 i think we started well no we were in no we were in high school because we were playing in bird's basement of my dad's garage so i guess 16 um but then when i went to college i didn't uh go away to college i went to gmu which is right by arlington okay um and then as soon as college was over we we just hit the road and that was a did you go to to jimmy for music or something totally different no i went for writing oh really like creative writing 
um, nonfiction political writing. I wanted to write for the Washington Post. Really? That's yeah. cool. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you were around politics quite a bit in, in that area. Right. It's, it's kind of part of the area. Yeah. So you went for that and then the band was always just happening as college went we on. We were doing like bar gigs on the weekends and stuff. And then, uh, and then, yeah, as soon as, as college was over, we were just off and running and that was it. You didn't try to pursue the writing. You just went, you know, this band's doing something. <laughs> I did. I just going. wrote, I just wrote for this band instead of for the <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what were like, after you finished college, was the band like, did you have some, you know, successes that led up to you going like, okay, let's take this on the road or like talk to me about that. Those um, early days. The first time we went to Hawaii, we saw ourselves on a billboard in the newspaper wow. at the hotel. We were on the radio. We couldn't believe it. And so after that, we were like, okay, maybe it's time to like, we start quitting our jobs and stuff. And then we went to Brazil and we, our first show was at, I think it was like a airplane hangar. Um, and my drummer bird said, watch, there's going to be like 20 people here. <laughs> and it was sold out. There was like 4,000 people there our first show in Brazil. So Brazil and Hawaii were kind of the two places that we were like, oh, man, this is really happening. It's happening. What, what year was that? Do you remember? I guess Hawaii was 2000. Was it 26? So 2007, I guess. Around 2005, 2006 is when stuff started to get kind of Okay, crazy. was that when Get Wiser came out or before um, that? About Get Wiser, yeah. Okay, about so that's that. when Born it started. Born in Babylon, to... the, the, I think the main one that kind of launched it was Born in Babylon, but, okay. but Get Wiser was, was popular for sure. Sure. So Born in Babylon was what really you know got the ball rolling for you? That was the one that had here I am and you and me and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, did you know you were getting radio play when you went to Hawaii or had no, no, idea? no, we just, really? we got the, with the promoters, a friend of ours, he's the guy who, who owns uh, Cali roots, the festival now. Okay. Um, but back then he was a local promoter in Hawaii and he picked us up from the airport with all our gear and he's driving us to our hotel and he turns on the radio and it's us. Oh, wow. What was that moment like? I mean, dude, I, we, did you think he had just had a cassette on or something? <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's faking this somehow. When we started the band, we did it. Cause it was fun. It was what we did after school, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then to hear yourself on the radio in paradise, you're kind of like, wait, okay. So, um, and then we would go do the shows in Hawaii and everybody knew the lyrics. And before that, we were a, a bar band from Virginia, you know, like a couple of people knew the lyrics, but we'd go to Hawaii and there'd be thousands of people and they all knew all the words to the songs because we were all over the radio. It was nuts. That is insane. That, and then to see a billboard of yourselves and then show up, you know, in Brazil and, you know, yeah. you're traveling across, all around the world and, and people know your band. I can't yeah. even imagine that feeling. Yeah. It's crazy. It's definitely crazy. What was it like to get the Grammy nomination or two? Grammy it was really cool. Right? <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. I'd rather have a Grammy, um, but, but it was, I mean, at least no, you were invited amazing. to the party. Jeez. No, that's was, such a huge, 
it was amazing. I my problem is I went into it expecting to win. Okay. So when it when it wasn't our name, I I like kind of was like I'm leaving. <laughs> um, a little bit but, salty about it. <laughs> but, then, but then we got nominated again, and that time it was a lot easier. The, the first time you lose hurts, but the second time you lose, you're kind of like, yeah, I was just kind of here to hang out and watch some cool stuff. Ed Sheeran's singing up there. Okay, cool, I'll hang out. Okay. <laughs> Did that when you had, you know, that level when you, you're getting nominated for Grammys? Were you just seeing the shows go up and up and up and as far as size? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It, it didn't take off quick, but it took off. Um, fa- we didn't really start this to be like known. Sure. You know, we, we did it because we loved it. And reggae was this thing that to us was really special. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see yourself get popular. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I can't even imagine. That's, that's so amazing. I mean, for something that you guys had started out, You've known each other since you're kids and to, right. to continue this on for, yeah. for this many years later, that's really something to be, to be said. I mean, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. And you've, it's been what, four years since you put a record out? Um, yeah. Poetry in Motion was about four years ago. Yeah. Okay. And this album coming out, I had a chance to hear it. It's insane. And the amount of people that you have as far as like features is like incredible. It's like every huge reggae artist yeah. ever on the record. It's, it's everyone <laughs> that we've like ever it's, toured with. It's anyone and everyone. I mean, you've got like Jay Boog and uh, Cali Buds and yeah, Stick yeah. Figure. And yeah, yeah. Slightly st- I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, has this been like a four year in the making project or like how, like how quickly were you working on this album? Um, well, the virus wasn't around when we started. So okay. we started in a room together, you know, at a studio the way you normally do it. Right. And then after, uh, I guess, 18 months ago, nobody could go anywhere or do anything. So we sort of would send music to each other. Okay. Um, and it was new. Cause we're used to doing it in a, in a room together. So mm-hmm. we'd send music to each other, but something cool happened that, that we sort of discovered is that when no one's looking over your shoulder, like saying, play more of this or do less of that, or do it like this. Um, and you don't have a time frame. You can sort of kind of come up with whatever you think um, is best for that song. So, I don't know. The lockdown kind of, sorry, I got to turn this light down. It's killing me. Oh, um, the, the lockdown kind of um, helped us create this album in two parts, which was, which ended up being really cool. And now we're talking about how we want to keep doing it going forward. Really? So keep this the same, like meet up in a room, record then- for two weeks, get the skeleton down and then everybody splits and you go home and you sit, like where I'm sitting right now uh-huh. and you just go over everything over and over and over with no time limit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there wasn't like, okay, on March 18th, everything has to be in. There wasn't really anything like that. So we could, I mean, months would go by and we wouldn't have talked about a song and somebody would come with something for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we kind of want to keep that part going. That is awesome. 
So where, where were you guys when the, the virus happened? You were working on this record or were you guys on the road or? We were in Costa Rica and we were playing a show and we were seeing on the news that people were saying um, there's a real possibility airports are going to shut down. And so we got on the plane and left. Um, and then I didn't leave my house for maybe 10 months, I guess, after that. Oh, wow. We were that must like, have been terrifying to fly. I mean, to, especially being in a whole other country and then having to fly back to the states. And it was a little, it was a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, were you working on the record? Oh, you said you were playing a show in Costa Rica, but you're working yeah. on the record here. Did yeah. like a one-off show, and then you were planning on coming back and what, finishing the album, and then that happened. We were we were doing that the record. We were also doing, I think, Japan and some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean everything locked down real fast. Musicians were like the first ones out, and I, I guess the last ones in because our profession involves getting five thousand people to stand right next to each other and breathe <laughs> on each other. Right. So <laughs> yeah, we were out pretty quick. Wow. Okay. So how much of the record was complete? You had all the, the skeleton for the whole album at this no, point? We had, no, like, really. we had like seven pretty much done. But then, you know, I, I, I'll redo the vocals like three, four, five times on each song as it comes along. Mm -hmm. um, but we were a little over half done with the record. Um, but then the rest of it was just um me and a couple producer friends of mine and Trevor Young, the guitar player and singer for Soja, um, sort of just writing stuff remotely. I mean, this phone I'm on right now, I think it was on for like four hours a day for a year and a half, basically, to, to finish the record. Yeah. Just doing virtual conversations like this? Or just talking on the phone and being like, hey, at minute one, second 12, do with this and we need one of these and you know like that that type of stuff wow and was it hard to collaborate with all the i mean you have so many like we said earlier just so many collaborations on the record like you know the dirty heads song that you guys put out recently like are these like songs you had done and they kind of you just reached out to people and said hey like do you want to be on the record i mean you have like a all-star cast on here they're all kind of different you know who writes them and who where, the one with 30 heads, I was with Jared in Huntington Beach in California, um, writing out with him and a guy named Denna. Um, but then the Nababasigo feature, we just reached out. It's they're all kind of different, you know. Sometimes you're with the person, sometimes the person's six thousand miles away, and you know. And it was just like, so you'd send them the song or whatever when it was, yeah, virtually. So yeah. Yeah. did you have exactly. any of the and it was were any of the um the people that you put on the record um how many of them were added as the virus was happening or did you have a pretty um, good idea who who you wanted in the very very beginning i guess during the virus specifically maybe only a few maybe namba bosco the guy from colombia okay. um and I think Common Kings and Ellie Mac might have been during the virus on the song called Funny. Um, but most most of this record was done pre-virus as far as features go, at least the idea. Maybe their finals came later, but the idea was 
pretty much yeah before but you knew who you wanted on the on the record for sure yeah for sure that is cool that is cool and with like I mean, it sounds, sounds like since you've had 40 years to kind of put the record out, like, was there a lot of time in between there? Like you, you have, you know, the start of the album and then the virus hits. And now you said you have, you know, no time limit. Was it hard to not like kind of overproduce what you're doing or rethinking yourself? And now you have it sitting there and it's like going back and listening to it and wanting to tweak every little thing. Was that kind of hard to not do? Um, it can be, but there's a trick I picked up from, Eminem and Dr. Dre years ago, they said that they would play the new record for Eminem's daughter and whatever song they'd play it through once and whatever song that she would sing in her head the next day, they were like, that's a single. Wow. So I have a friend in Germany, a reggae singer named Gentleman, and he told me, he said, there's a million artists in the world, um, but you're not really an artist unless you know when to put the pen down. And he said that to me maybe 15 years ago. And so I've always been like, look, if I can play something four times through and I don't want to change anything, then it's done. And it gets moved in my documents folder on my phone. It gets moved to finished. And then the ones where I keep what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so once, once it's finished, you, you finish don't, line, yeah, you don't mess with it anymore. You don't it's touch done. it anymore. You're like, that's it. That one's done. Wow. Okay. I can imagine that being hard if it's sitting there and then you're like, okay, well now that I don't have a real time crunch to put it out, I'm just going to tweak it. You want to keep going back and messing (laughs) with it, but you can't, you got to put it in the finished folder and just leave it alone. Leave it alone. (laughs) Yeah. And how, like, was the record done, you know, fairly quickly into the, the pandemic lockdown or was it something you had worked on for quite a while? And then like, how do you hold it? It was maybe 75% finished when we went into lockdown but then we uh my manager elliot had an idea to go back and redo pretty much all the vocals on the entire record because we got so our buddy mariana one of the producers um on this record and other stuff we've done called and he was like yo i've been using this new microphone um he calls it the rihanna mic um does Rihanna record with that mic? And it has like its own power <laughs> that like sits in the corner of the room. It's the, it's like the Jay-Z mic. Yeah. And so okay. he's like, dude, I got one. And he lives in Miami. I live in St. Pete. And so my manager was like, dude, have him come up and do the stick song and the stick figure song. And mm-hmm. then we heard the final vocals for the stick figure song. And we were like, dude, this is going to be a tough conversation, but like, what if we just redid every single song? <laughs> <laughs> so for like three or four of them, we kept the original stuff, but I spent about two weeks redoing all the vocals on the entire record. <laughs> well, now you have the Rihanna and the Rihanna mic on the record. Yeah, you got that Jay-Z mic, dude. You're That's good. amazing. Uh, <laughs> Was it like, te- or I'm sure you wanted to after you heard that take, right? To, to redo it with that microphone. It's not tedious. It's were you gonna say tedious? Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't get tedious. Yeah. No, already it's, done it, and then it's like, okay, now I gotta go back and re-record it all. My main job as a writer is to subtract things. Like I can write a banger in five minutes, and that's how you know it's a banger, is because like five minutes later you're done. Um, but then there's a process of um removing stuff that's unnecessary. 
that didn't really need to be said, or you've already said it once, or it's kind of repetitive or, you know, so no, that, that part is my favorite part because it means the inspiration's already down. Um, and now it's just time to, to edit basically you know, up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And arrange it and produce it and move stuff around and, you know, change everything and stuff like that. So once you re-recorded all the vocals and the, the record's done, like how, I mean, the album's coming out next Friday, over two weeks. September 24th. Yeah. And so it's coming out on the 24th and I'm sure you've had it done for a bit. Was it hard to kind of keep the record or was it, were you in a predicament where it's like, we sh shouldn't put it out yet because maybe we're on a, are able to tour it or was that ever a conversation you had to have? I mean, I think in the beginning, we thought we knew like the idea of what we wanted to do, like, oh, here's what we should do. Um, but something we learned during this lockdown is we don't really know what the future is gonna be like. All we know is what the past was like. Um, and so a lot of these questions we couldn't even really answer. Like, do we save it for when we can tour? Do we release it during? Do we, we just knew we had a finished record and we wanted to release it. And that was kind of, and it's my favorite record we've ever done. And a few of the other guys in the band have said that too. Um, and we wanted to release it and kind of, you know, come what may, see what touring looks like. And do you have a tour? I know you guys are doing the that festival in October, right? With like, a you know, a bunch of huge reggae artists. Yeah, yeah. And is have you had a chance to play live aside from that show coming up in a, we've we've rehearsed here in st pete i mean we've all gone to the studio and 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 played but no we haven't played live in i guess 18 months wow wow kind of so crazy you, yeah so you haven't played live but you've played as a band rehearsed as a band yeah yeah we played together okay. just not in but front not, of people not in front of people is that yeah. gonna be the first time you played in front of people yeah Wow. There's a lot of artists that, you know, share songs on, on the record. Is there any plan to bring out people when you play or is that hush um, hush? I think we don't have the final festival lineup, but there's definitely going to be people at these festivals that are going to get up and play for sure. Yeah. That is cool. And are you, I'm sure you're pretty excited to play for the first time in 18 months. <laughs> just period. Yeah. I just want to go onto a stage and play music. That's it. That's all I want. Have you seen a show yet or no? No, Manchester Orchestra is coming here in like two weeks and I'm going to go see them. Um, oh, that'll be a great show. I love that band. They're, they're yeah, yeah, great. yeah. They're the best. That's cool. So you're going to see them. That'll be your first show. And then I'm sure people, it might be their first show back. I'm sure it's yeah. got to be quite a, right. yeah, an epic experience to be there sharing that moment with a lot of people. I have no idea what it's going to be like, but it's going to be different. That's for sure. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's so cool. That, that lineup looks insane. And are you tour touring, doing a tour after that or? Um, we probably will. I mean, the industry sort of, sort of shuts down like December to end of February normally. So mm -hmm. I, we might just do these two festivals in October. And then there's one in November um cali roots is doing a mexico uh edition of their festival oh rad yeah and then other than that 
uh, we'll probably plan a tour for spring. I guess I'm not really sure. It's uncharted <laughs> waters, man. Nobody knows what's going on. Right. Especially with like lockdowns and all that other stuff. Maybe nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, the, yeah. the record's amazing. What are you most excited about uh, for the album coming out? It's you mean song wise? Sure. Yeah. It's tough to say, man. I mean, I, I have my personal favorites, um, but I feel like with the amount of time that we were able to put into this, it's I can't really pick one. If I, I know that sounds dumb and kind of generic, but I, I really don't know which one I like the most. I know which one is most personal to me. Um, which one would that be? Oh, the last song, Fall Like Rain, is a song I wrote about my dad and something he showed me one time in a dream after he passed away. Wow. Um, and the love songs, of course, are personal. And then there's some songs about being isolated. Um, it's just, there's some uplifting stuff. There's some stuff about uh, the way life works and how you see it as you get a little older. I kind of covered all the bases with um, topics on this thing. Well, it's an amazing album. I, Dude, I, I think you. it's so good. And like I said, just the amount of effort it sounds, I mean, it looks like you've put into it. And of course the, the people that you've got on the record, I mean, the things, <laughs> <on>, so <laughs> it, it was, it was a lot of work, but we're happy. It's done. That is awesome. Um, are you doing yeah, like a re release party or anything? I saw you guys are doing like, you can uh, buy like autograph records and, and stuff like that. Yeah. The there's, there's, yeah, we have vinyl stuff. We have autograph stuff. We have crazy uh, hoodies and t-shirts and yeah, all the normal stuff that you would do. We, we got nothing but time. So we just sit around and design all this stuff all day. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jacob, man, thank you so much for doing this. I really Dude, appreciate it. Thank you for calling me. Yeah. I have one more question for you. I yeah. want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, well, what worked for us is to try to stay in love with what you're doing. Cause the way it goes is you start as a, as a hobby and then it's like a hobby that sort of pays, but you still have your job. And then if you're lucky one day, it's just your only job. Um, and then what a lot of times happens to people I see and myself, if I'm not careful, is it becomes only a job and you're no longer in love with it. And you're saying like, well, shit, I don't want to wait was a huge song. We got to re we got to make a new version of that. OK, you and me was a huge song. We got to make a new version of that. And that's kind of when bands, as they say, quote, fall off is because they're not in love anymore. Um, and it is their income. So they're trying to recreate periods in their life that don't exist anymore. So you got to remember why, like you fell in love, I guess, is kind of the secret all the time. And you see that with groups that often are still around. <laughs> 